0: My sister threw open the door so that it banged against the little console table she kept by the entrance. Silas, she said breathlessly before even removing her coat, I have to tell you something, which was enough to make me feel trapped, as though the words out of her mouth were expanding and filling up the space in her tiny apartment. I told her to calm down and apologize, and then I began making excuses for myself. I had assumed she would be angry at me because of the previous night, so I was primed for what she might say and she got home from work. In Witness by Jamel Brinkley, a young woman's severe illness is ignored and minimized, leaving those who love her unable to come together in their grief.
1: You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. This is Short Story Short Podcast. I am Christopher J. Garcia, here today with Anne of Green Gables. I decided I I need to zig
0: where I usually zag sometimes, and so I'm just going to, for a little while, I guess, be going with beloved characters from children's and young adult literature. Um, You never know who I'm going to be from week to week.
1: And I'm just going to claim to be Joan Didion. Uh...
0: That works. That works. Joan Didion in Anne of Green Gables doing a podcast. I think this could be a hit.
1: I have so many things to say and yet none of them will allow me to not be canceled. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Christy.
0: Yeah, you mean Anne, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Christy is short for Anne. Um, If I do get canceled and I had previously read a story the week before I got canceled, what would I have read? You
0: would have read Witness by Jamel Brinkley. Uh, one of the winners of the N.O. Henry Prize for Short Fiction.
1: Now, this story is difficult. Yes. I, I think that's the best way to put it. It is at once a tearjerker, at once full of unlikable characters, put into a Exceptionally realistic and rage inducing plot.
0: Yep, yep. There is a lot, a lot of room for rage here. And the story, I think, in order to give us room to feel that rage, is not really trying too hard to make us like the characters. Because I think you only have a certain amount, I mean, as much as we can rage against what happens to bernice because she is a black woman and historically and actually like data wise we know that doctors tend to minimize and ignore black women's uh pain and and symptoms more than any other you know section of the population and um so you have that and in in one way it's personal to bernice and to her family but I think if we're going to be thinking of it as this widespread societal thing, then we can't be too close to the characters. We They have to be somewhat unlikable because we need that distance in order to look at this and realize how incredibly uh, systemic the problem is.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think there's also an aspect of wanting to get away from the, oh, she was a ray of sunshine idea that as true crime podcasters, we are required to believe is the truth. She that, lit up the room. <laughs> yeah, I think that that by having that aspect where it is not a flawless, exceptionally likable, bubbly human being, although I would say Bernice does have a slight bit of bubble to her, like champagne yeah. left out a little long. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. But I think... The the characterization here is meant to make you look more carefully at their situation, and the situation that we are most attached to is Bernice's medical issues, but it is Silas's, I don't want to say arc because it doesn't really go anywhere, Um, well it kind of does. Um, sort of it's, si- yeah. it's Silas's story That makes the whole Thing feel Almost I don't want to say pointless but It's almost like they're on a treadmill Yeah And I think there's some just fantastic Character stuff we get from Silas In particular one of the most Savage uh, Two characters parting uh, That i have ever read in my life and am stealing for some time when i have to do something mean to someone um oh yeah it's absolutely brutal yeah it's it's pretty near cruel except for dove is dove is unlikable in a way that i can't quite pin down
0: yeah he seems like he seems like the kind of person who doesn't know quite what to do with his hands. And that's not all the time, or or that's not just some of the time, That is all the time. Like he just constantly doesn't know what to do with his hands, which in itself isn't terribly annoying, except it makes him seem kind of fluttery, but all in all, it's kind of indicative of a larger sort of personality flaw that he has, where he doesn't seem like he's actually able to take things that seriously, which I think I mean, I'm not saying he didn't, you know, grieve his his wife's death, but it just seems like it's kind of like, well, another day, you know, after that. And it just seems like shallow, I guess, is what I'm going for. Sort of shallow.
1: Yeah, a little bit shallow. 100% not present comes to mind also. Mm -hmm. It feels like when he appears in the story. You're waiting for him not to be in the story anymore.
0: Yes! Oh my gosh, so much. He felt yeah. like an interloper.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, and I think that is a big win for the author. Who this is the first time I've seen anything from Jamel. Uh, I think that is the sign of an author who understands not only how to word, but how words are ingested and turned into a story, and where that story, in the format, reinforces the individual characters. It's The classic postmodern theory is that all stories are about what it means to be a story. And that is here, definitely, in Dove. Dove, when is there, doesn't really mean as much as when Dove is not there until the very end when Dove is dragged forcefully to a moment, an artificial moment, it turns out. uh, But that sort of structural awareness of how characters are ingested by readers makes this a much more powerful story because this isn't a story where you can say nothing happens. It's a story where you can say, well, the things that happen are terrible to less than ideal people but it's not a sort of a not an action flick
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean I, i think when we're going for O. henry stories and O. henry winners and you know that that kind of genre it's not going to be a lot of plot movement it's going to be some character development and characters revolve around each other and so on and so forth but it definitely it has that that more highly literary feel to it which is fine and good you know we all need you know we we all need to have a varied diet and i think that this is uh this this story is just part of a how did they put it in the in the 90s and cereal commercials with breakfast part of a healthy part of a healthy breakfast something like that, but it was, it wasn't quite those words, but yeah, you know what I mean? And then in, you know, whenever this airs Jackson and I will listen to it and he will say it before I can get it out. Um, because that he likes to infuriate me that way. So, uh, (laughs) podcast listeners know that you're not alone. My husband's right there with you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like this Jackson fella more and more every day. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's good people. He's good people. Yes. One interesting thing about this story is it won an no Henry prize, and yet at no point did anyone uh sell their hair to buy a watch fob or their watch to buy a hair ribbon uh which bothers me. I think that should be a requirement for no henry winner uh,
0: i I hate to be the one to tell you this, but a, it is part of a complete breakfast. I looked at it <laughs> uh, and b. Actually, believe it or not, O. Henry himself actually wrote some stories that did not involve combs and watch fobs.
1: I know that, like L. Ron Hubbard, people have kept writing in the O. Henry name, but I refuse to accept that. <laughs> um,
0: so, just that one story, and that was it. And that was enough to cement his fame for the rest of his life. And then he could just have people ghostwriting and shit.
1: Like Confederacy of Dunces. Yeah, totally. Uh, Okay. (laughs) uh, Which is also going to be a short story show podcast episode. It's going to be great. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think one of the beautiful things that uh, happens here that a lot of people get annoyed about that I love is the use of italics, there are only a couple of places where they get used, but they are used so perfectly. Uh, I killed Bernice," me, and I and me are both in italics. Now, you I know we're supposed to read that as, you know, he's emphasized, I killed me. Uh, okay, that was... <laughs> That was a little Edwin. Sorry, <laughs> um,
0: just a little over the top. You're it, it, there might be some scenery left that you haven't chewed to death.
1: <laughs> but I mean, the other thing is, this is the non-antique character. This is Dove, and I and me seems to be asserting his presence for once.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's not something we ever get until now. And it seems like it takes those really. Um, that the the deep, deep cut that has been inflicted upon him by Silas to bring out his actual presence and it, it's only there for a brief couple of seconds.
1: Yeah, And I find, I know we're supposed to think that Dove and Silas are the two sides of a train track that they're both roughly the same idea. They are in, They're influencing themselves on Silas's sister and, of course, Dove's wife. But I think it's a little more complicated once you see some of the stories or some of the phrasing that, again, beautiful writing here, uh, where talking about how Bernice's life ended up filling up other people's lives um, and next time she should just at me uh, that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I think but- that's 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 why she it falls so much into literature is her life is so much about filling up other people's lives that as she starts kind of uh, wasting away and losing energy she has to fill up her life with you know knowledge and other lands and everything
1: mm-hmm Totally. And I think that that's a very interesting because while Silas doesn't necessarily have that uh, filling up her life with his drama, he fills up her space with his presence. And Dove kind of does that and kind of doesn't. He's more the feeder for her drama I think is how we're supposed to sort of come to it and I think overall that sense makes the story work but at the same time I think that while the story is working it it grates a little bit and I think that's on purpose but I also think it makes it a little harder to read.
0: (laughs) Yeah I agree with that um it it feels like but it feels like that's done on purpose because the harder it is to read, the more we come back around to that idea of, you know, somewhat unlikable characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important aspect of the story is that we don't actually that really love any of the characters. We can we don't admire them. We can think that they're OK. They're flawed human beings who are maybe sometimes doing their best and maybe sometimes not. But then again, aren't we all? That's basically, you know, all every single one of us has that same exact story, just in, in many different forms and languages. And so I think that's what makes it more real almost is the fact that we have very little plot movement because the average life doesn't have a whole lot of plot movement. We're not being chased around with guns all the time. We're not being sucked up into spaceships, whatever. And if you are, um, then tell your story, dude. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> Talk about when people chased you with a gun into that spaceship. But we are all this. This is one of those stories that gets uh, really well to the nitty gritty of being a human being and the ways in which it sucks.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I will say the one weakness I found in this story was I found the dialogue very flat. Mm. which, Which is interesting because I thought that the general prose was very, very good, but the dialogue did have a flatness to it that maybe that sort of speaks to this whole, uh, you know, general human condition, but because we, most of us, myself excluded, um, talk in a very basic way instead of being brilliant, uh, fancying amazing word usements. But I did find that that flatness and the flattest of all, of course, is Dove made for a less engrossing for the characters yet the prose more got me into the sort of the scene
0: i agree Uh, i've got to stop saying sentences like that i'm just gonna start saying i disagree even if i do agree so that i'll stop starting all of my sentences with i agree like the little freaking parrot that i am um it feels like all right as far as levels of dialogue are concerned, uh, the very worst is when it's stilted or uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily flat, but sort of um, inhuman and mm-hmm. not natural. And that kind of the dialogue is the, is the kind of dialogue that I won't read in my head. I kind of like mm. silence the reading voice in my head when I'm reading it because it, it's, I get like a sort of secondhand cringe from it. I don't have any of that here. But it's kind of the next level is flat where like, it feels like most of the time the words being exchanged between the characters aren't serving a lot of purpose. I mean, <laughs> it's it, it, there's definitely, there is, I feel like a naturalness to the way that they talk and people have some ticks and everything. Like for instance, Dove feels like he needs to send some, throw some sort of qualifier into you know, every sentence. I mean, there's the part towards the end where he says, it makes sense, I guess, the way you two turned out. Must have been hard growing up with a mother like that. I mean, look at her. You know, I still have nightmares about that shit she said to me at the hospital. Like, everything is, I guess, I mean, you know. He has mm-hmm. to preface everything. And so you have those real ticks that make it more natural dialogue. But a lot of it feels like it didn't necessarily, I don't know, didn't need to be there. But I don't know what you would replace it with or... um. So I'm not the final judge on that. This is why I am not Jamel Brinkley's editor.
1: I agree, and <laughs> one of that the all they want to crackers. <laughs> I love crackers. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I love about stories like this is that they they strip away a lot of the things that you don't necessarily need to get the impact of the story but literally if you had put the last five paragraphs you would have gotten most of the impact of the story i think giving us the the human nature the you know the not light up the room characters help drive it and give you a little more perspective on it but i think the real impact of this story happens at the end
0: oh for sure for sure there's there's not a really a whole lot that happens until we get to the very end. It's, it, it is, um, I mean, it's like life. It's, it's some, some days are just kind of, kind of quiet. And even when the, the bad things are happening, it's not all rush, rush, hurry, hurry, you know, bad stuff, bad stuff. It's, it's a bad stuff, especially health wise is a lot of waiting.
1: I always wait. I used to wait for it. Now they're <laughs> screaming sing the chorus again. Uh,
0: there's a reason that we have to be called patients.
1: I see what you did there.
0: <laughs> Got
1: anything else on this one there, Christy?
0: I'm sorry, um, I, Thank you, thank you. Yes, I would, I would prefer if you would uh, direct, if you would call me by my correct name,
1: sir. I'm sorry, Miss of Green Gables.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. One thing is that I have never... Seen this, and I have to think that Jamel Brinkley is either in academia or knows people in academia and understands their plight. (laughs) I haven't seen it referenced in anything I've ever read before. I had several new applications out and was now helping to piece together enough adjunct positions to make a decent living. So, to those of you who are in college right now, let me let you in on a little secret. That is how most people in academia bring home the ramen. <laughs> <laughs> that is how they live, going from school to school to school in different positions, having two Tuesday-Thursday classes at one school, and then having uh, three Tuesday-Thursday classes at another school 45 minutes away, something like that. And that is essentially, unless you're an assistant professor or a tenure-track professor, or, professor or a tenured professor, that is essentially the way that it boils down and in some schools, the amount you get per credit is less than the amount that the, each individual student is paying for the class. So just so you know, uh, being in that wonderful ivory tower of academia, no longer uh, really super great And as far as finances are concerned, and it's a tough life, and it's kind of been I call it the Walmartization of academia, where it's, you know, like they're trying to keep from having to give out benefits by making people work like 35 hours a week, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's sort of for some reason the universities decided to model their their whole systems on freaking Walmart. And I don't know why. But I just want to let you know, have some respect for those professors because either they this is a second job or this is all of their jobs, but in like three different places. <laughs>
1: And this has been Socialist Corner. I hope you uh, have enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get more socialists with every passing week. I swear. It used to be a slow process, but now it has accelerated. I'm going to be like full Bernie Madoff in like two months. No, I'm not Bernie Madoff. Oh my God. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> two very different Bernies. Very different Bernie.
1: Woo! <laughs> Climb that pyramid. Um. Wow!
0: All right, maybe I'll go Bernie Madoff because I could use the money.
1: <laughs> hey, Anne Christie of Green Gables. Yes. What are we going to do next week?
0: Next week we are going to read "Color and Light" by Sally Rooney.
1: Ooh, excellent! Another O. Henry winner. Almost like there's a theme. Yeah, weird, huh? Yeah, Hmm. but you know what I love about themes?
0: They're thematic.
1: Well, yes, also they are referential to themselves. Hmm.
0: Yes, they are. Yes, indeed, they are quite.
1: Yes, and then in the form of a podcast, this has been short story. Short in the form of a podcast. Correct.